Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm researcher and co-vice president of special projects, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert and co-vice president of special projects, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Angel, Season 2, Episodes 11 and 12, Redefinition, which is a watcher, and Blood Money, which is a skipper. We can see that the maudlin segment of tonight's binge is in full swing, so let's raise the stakes. In Redefinition, we get a series of short stories stitched together in the aftermath of the Wine Cellar Massacre at Holland Manor's house. Lindsay and Lila are alive for unknown reasons and paranoid for solid ones. Cordy, Gunn, and Wesley are trying to find their place in the world. Drew and Darla are assembling a crew of underlings to help them wreak havoc in Los Angeles. And Angel is preparing himself to take on Wolfram and Hart. In the end, Lindsay and Lila are made co-vice presidents of special projects. Cordy, Gunn, and Wesley get drunk, sing karaoke, have a vision, save a girl, and decide to continue their mission without Angel. And Angel lights Drew and Darla on fire after taking out their crew. Redefinition aired on January 16th, 2001. It was directed by Michael Grossman, who will be back to direct Season 3's Birthday and Season 4's Ground State and Players. It was written by Mayor Smith, who also wrote eight more episodes for Seasons 2, 3, and 4. All right, so Kelly, opening up with our perfect happiness scale, the pH scale, which goes from 0 to 6 for no real discernible reason. 0 is stake this, 6 equals lost your soul. Where are you with redefinition? So I bounced back and forth between a 2 and a 3, but I went with a Mm 3. This is a strange episode, but the moment where Angel throws down that cigarette to set Darla and Drew ablaze and they realize he's no longer truly Angel, but he's also not Angelus. It's just compelling as hell. Plus, Lauren sings, and with Angel getting into warrior mode, there's a good bit of still thirsty to be had here. So (laughs) the high points push this up to a three for me. Okay, I absolutely agree with all of your high points, but it just wasn't quite enough for me. I am at a two. Uh, Redefinition is important for us to see how the various chess pieces rearrange themselves on the playing board. But overall, with the exception of a few high points, almost all all of which belong to our more alliterative pairings. Uh, It's kind of a weird episode, and Angel's silent drama queen act is probably the weirdest part of all, and I'm not a big fan. Yeah, it was weird. It is a little weird. So let's go ahead and start with what may be the skimpiest part of our discussion of this episode, (laughs) which are our moments of perfect happiness. Um, For me, like the moments of perfect happiness came down to Lila and Lindsay and Drew and Darla. Although I did like I did like the the badass angel stuff. The warrior angel stuff was was good. I could have lived without the drama queen VO, but I'll get to that and stake this. Um, (laughs) So what did you see with Lila and Lindsay that you liked? I love the dynamic of the two of them. Mm -hmm. And there was something about Lila being almost panicked and Lindsay being so cool about it. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, they're going to blame us for all of this and our bodies are going to show up in two weeks. And, you know, (laughs) what are we going to do? And Lindsay's like, meh, whatever. What happens, happens. (laughs) (laughs) You know, And, and I really liked when... Lila tried to trick Lindsay that he saw straight through that. Yes, it was very cute. I would never do anything, Lila. <laughs> I would never steal company files. And then he just ripped yeah. off that wire mm-hmm. that she was wearing. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. There's a weird dynamic between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But it works in a lot of ways. And I think... I kind of like the space that Lindsay's in right now more than I like the space that Lila's in. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's he's sort of in accepting mode and she's being very reactionary. Yeah. And also Lila at her best is when she is completely cool and on top of it and just doesn't care. Right. Lila being nervous, mm-hmm. you know, because she's nervous through this whole thing. And then she has this line, if I were the nervous type, I'd be nervous. But as it is, I'm just pissed. But she's nervous this whole thing, yeah. you know. 
I, I kind of love that moment, though, like when he she's wearing the wire and he leans in. She's using her sexuality to try to get Lindsay. Yeah. Like Lindsay's <laughs> going to fall for that. I mean, he'll fall for it with Darla, but not with Lila. <laughs> and he reaches down her shirt and pulls out the wire. It is so cute that he says, forget about the frame job, sweetheart. They're going to kill who they're going to kill. Take it like a man. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's just so <laughs> nonchalant about it. Really, yeah. really fun. So I love them being forced to work together Mm -hmm. Um, and they do have a really wonderful chemistry but I'm beginning to think that maybe Christian Kane is one of those people who has chemistry with everybody oh (laughs) yes he kind of does and I mean I'm sorry anytime he leans in close enough to kiss anybody Mm -hmm. (laughs) just kind of like have to remember I'm supposed to be taking notes about the show because damn exactly it's 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 a thirsty moment i'll give you that (laughs) yeah and and in my notes i keep like finding myself writing christian kane has such pretty eyes (laughs) he does he does you know it's funny because i didn't care for him much at first um and i think yeah well i was never really a bad boy girl i didn't have like such inner darkness when i first watched angel now after everything i've been through totally gone dark and now i'm loving Lindsay. (laughs) Well, I don't know what that says about me because he's been one of my favorites since the first time. I, I think watched you've the always show. liked the bad boys. I think you've always been. That's just been your style. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. I like people who pretend to be good but are deep down real evil. So now I appreciate when evil's right on the surface, <laughs> and I can see it, and I know what I'm dealing with. So yeah. Let's so just I'm, get I'm, to that evil right away, right up front. Just be honest about it. Like you know, if you're evil, fine. But at least just tell the truth and stop pretending to be a decent human being. So um, so that's what I really like about Lindsay. I think Lindsay's a lot of fun with that. I love Lila and Lindsay together. And even though this isn't probably our best Lila, we are going to be getting oh, yeah. our best Lila. Lila's going to be real fun. I, you know, she survived like a massacre. So I'll give her this a little true. space to recover. I'll cut her a little slack. Yeah. And I love that moment, too, where Lindsay's like, I'm the only one. I'm the sole survivor. And the EMT <laughs> says, well, we got a live one here. And Lindsay He's like, we do. And, and then he looks over and he's like, Lila. <laughs> Lila. Of, of course. course. <laughs> of course. I love the two of them together. I love, um, you know, that they're forced to be co-vice presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so fun and they've got such a great combative energy. It's just, it's really fun. So I had a lot of fun with Lila and Lindsay. Also, some Drew and Darla. We had good Drew and Darla yeah. in this episode. God, I love Juliet Landau. Oh, I'm telling you right now. And the two of them together just oh my are God. so well, fantastic. Juliet Landau is another one. She works well with everybody. Yes, she does. I mean, just everybody. And the way that she moves and her whole, it, you know, and the thing is, it can be seen as like overdone, except that Drusilla is herself as a character. Like she is way out there. So Juliet Landau's ability to both, the way that she says her lines, the way that she delivers everything and her physicality. Mm -hmm. I mean, my God, it's just amazing. So what were your favorite Drew and Darla moments? So I love when Lindsay and Lila walk into the office and Darla and Drew are waiting on them. (laughs) So like, you know, they've gotten really good at evading the vampire detectors. I don't know if they're bribing somebody or I have no idea. I don't know, but they've got it down. And Darla's kind of explaining to Lindsay, you know, why he's still alive and Mm -hmm. what they want. And she gets right, you know, up close to him and says, I loathe being used. I sent you a 15 body memo to that effect. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, damn, girl. (laughs) I love Darla. I do, too. She was awesome. But I think that there was some real connection between Darla and Drusilla yeah, that I haven't really seen before. And part of it was Drew can see so clearly that connection that's still there between Angel and Darla that Darla just does not want to hear about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drusilla says you miss him like a heartbeat. And Darla says, I don't miss my heartbeat, Drew. Yes. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think she kind of does. And I think she kind of does. Drew has this moment where she's like, I see the flames and they're so beautiful and they're dancing. Mm-hmm. And and I'm kind of wondering, like, is she seeing what Angel's going to do to them or is she just yeah. seeing fire and she can't see the context for it? So I'm really curious about Drew's power and her visions and how they work. But I thought really some of my favorite moments was 
after Angel set them on fire. Yeah. Because we see Darla comforting Drusilla. Mm-hmm. You know, even though she's badly burned, too, she's she's hugging her and saying, you know, shush, baby, shush. Yeah. And and kind of comforting her. And Drusilla says, you know, she's talking about it hurts. Help me, Darla. And I think that's the first time we heard Drusilla actually call Darla Darla mm. instead of grandmother or, you know, some other right. thing that she's, mm-hmm. you know, but it's this real, OK, I'm I'm in pain. Please help me. And Darla is actually comforting her. Yeah. And I really liked that moment between them. Mm-hmm. And then I loved when they were talking about Lila and Lindsay. And Drew says, I like the girl. She's wicked. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Lila has Drew's seal of approval. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, absolutely, which is wonderful. I love when Darla and Drusilla are in the office, you know, and they're um, they're ambushing Lila and Lindsay. And Darla plays this whole thing with Lindsay you know do you really have to ask I'm in love with you you know and Lindsay is and it's interesting because it's a reflection on the moment with Lila that would come later mm-hmm. when Lila's trying to pull that on him he has no interest but Darla he's fallen for it and then she laughs in his face and it is so cruel and yet kind of fun and Lila starts laughing and Darla goes shut up Lila and Lila cuts it off <laughs> yeah it's just, it's such a great, a great moment. It's so much fun. But I love this whole thing, like where, where Drew is talking to Darla about Angel, you know, and Darla refuses to acknowledge that she is just as obsessed with Angel as Angel is with her, that oh, they yeah. are both kind of locked in this, you know, in this like death moment where they are going to take each other down. <laughs> One of them is going to kill the other. That's just how this thing is going to end. And so uh, Darla says, for God's sakes, can a woman wreak a little havoc without a man being involved (laughs) during a conversation where they're just talking about Angel? Yeah. (laughs) And I like Darla's very low expectations for these people Mm -hmm. that they're trying to recruit. She's like, yes, 10. I'll be happy if we get three who can cut it. Exactly. <laughs> that Angel's already taken them all out. A crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. I love when they're coming out of the bar and Drusilla says, didn't like that barkeeper. Can't get his eyes off my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> and when they come in, they find all the dead bodies and she's like, dead already? Bad soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> you had one job. <laughs> you Bad had soldiers. one job. Which is to kill other people and not get killed. You're not right. good at this job. You're not good at this job. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's really good. It's uh, There's a lot of stuff, especially in the moment-to-moment work, you mm-hmm. know, that is actually really good in this episode. Yeah. And I love those lines and, and these relationships between people. It's really, really fun. All right. So moving on, <laughs> unless you have given any more perfect <laughs> happiness, because I think we're going to go through this pretty quickly. <laughs> um, I had a little bit with Wes and Cordy and Gunn. Oh, um, yeah. Because yeah. I love them going to Caritas and, yes. mm-hmm. you know, getting very, very drunk. And I like Lorne kind of tending to them and, you know, giving them some direction. And yeah. when Cordy says, you know, it's really, really evil tequila. it's like i feel you girl yes cordy does not lie (laughs) she does not not lie lie. (laughs) and i like when lorne knew that cordy was about to have a vision yeah you know he took off his jacket and he folded it up and he put it behind her head he's such a gentleman and he's always so cool and then i actually had a line from virginia that i liked wow when Mm -hmm. i know right when wesley was telling her that he got fired and she's like, well, what else can you do? And he's like, not much. And so she's kind of helping him spin like his resume. Mm-hmm. And she and he says, I don't even have a job title. And she said, you're a renowned specialist in supernatural aid and rescue. And I was yes. like, that girl might have missed her calling as a marketing specialist. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that no, was it's pretty, pretty good. good. And I look, too, when he looks back at her and he says, renowned? Yeah. You know? like, he was so sweet. touched by that, it's which was sweet. really, really sweet. Yeah, in that scene, too, I love that Wesley has a card catalog section in his filing cabinet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes. I was like, oh, that's adorable. That is adorable. I've actually well, been looking for one of those. There. Yeah. <laughs> I There's love those. There's there that yeah. I'm not surprised that he has that. And But that apartment, like, that's not Wes's apartment, right? That's Virginia's apartment. No, I think it has to nice. be Virginia's apartment. Okay, because that was a really nice apartment. I don't think Wesley has that kind of money. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, well, actually, I don't know if it's hers or his, though. Because it has a filing cabinet and all yeah, those books. Maybe. Although she liked a lot of books, too. And she had books in her room. So I don't know. I maybe. Don't know. Hmm. But that means they're living together because that filing cabinet is Wes. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the, the card catalog is Wes. <laughs> It's really adorable. Um, I can't decide if I love or hate the drunken binge at Caritas. And and part of it is because what we're doing in these episodes and in this one and the next one is that we're just they're just treading water. We're showing them, you know, I mean, I guess in this one, there's a little more purpose to it because they do come to the decision that they are going to keep this agency. The angel didn't fire them. Angel left the agency and they're going to keep running it because Cordy's one with the visions and they've still got work to do. You know, so, I mean, there is actually some story purpose to this episode, but all of their stuff felt really uh, kind of wandering and meandering like it wasn't really moving toward you know toward a story of their own yeah you know it's just a reaction to what happened I liked that they all showed up at yeah Caritas. I like the the singing we have the fighting you know like they're fighting and then they're singing yeah, together the, the and bickering and them all yeah. blaming mm-hmm. each other mm-hmm. like that really got on my nerves but I like Gunn calling out Cordelia and Wesley for all of their bickering and he's right. like I think y'all got off easy because if I was Angel I would have killed you both right. <laughs> I was like yes I agree with that right a little call on that bickering that they do which which will be ending soon enough but yeah. yeah but I like how they're all kind of sheepish you know, when mm-hmm. they show up. And, and I did get a kick out of Wesley sort of talking himself up to singing. Yes. And he said, mm-hmm. steady on, Wesley. And right. <laughs> I thought that was kind That's of adorable. So <laughs> like, this is a guy who regularly battles demons, but singing really, really makes him nervous. Right. <laughs> Which I understand. I understand. Singing is an incredibly vulnerable thing. I love Lorne when he sits down with them. And he's like, I can see that the maudlin segment of tonight's binge is in full swing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just, it's so adorable and always fun to see Lorne whenever we see Lorne. Oh, I think we haven't named him yet. At no, not point, yet. I think they all just think of him as the host, you know. Yep. But he's Lauren. He's Lauren to us. But I think my favorite part, you know, with any of these three is at the end when Wesley goes down to see Angel and he says, you may have turned your back on your mission, but we haven't. Someone has to fight the good fight. And he just leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really I like that moment with Wesley. I thought that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And and a lot of the stuff with Angel was strange, especially mm-hmm. not talking. And yeah. like the words in the voiceover were good. And I was trying to think, okay, well, how would I have done that? Because it's not like Angel keeps a journal that we right. could have read him writing. So I don't, I don't know how else we would have handled that. But I like some of the things we saw him do in terms of what it tells us about where he is. So right. like he takes that box down to the furnace and he's got all those sketches of Darla and he's burning them. Mm-hmm. And then I had this moment thinking about your love of old tech. And I was like, look, right. dot matrix printer dot paper. Printers. <laughs> so cute. I thought that was so cute. And yeah. then, you know, you see him, you know, he's got him working out and punching the punching mm-hmm. bag. And I'm a fan. And he packs the weapons bag and then he walks out as the phone is ringing. So mm-hmm. we have Angel literally ignoring a call for help. Right. Mm-hmm. But when he's waiting in the dark in that garage on top of that car, smoking a cigarette and Drew mm-hmm. and Darla open the door and there he is smoking. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No, it's pretty nice. It's, it's pretty nice. Pretty good. Honestly, I think the angel stuff. If you just didn't have the voiceover. Yeah. We don't need the voiceover. The voiceover is stupid. Exactly. Just watch him. Watch what he does. Everything that he does and the physicality of his performance, Mm -hmm. like that gets across everything. You see him working out, you know he's preparing. Right. But yeah, so I think like all of that stuff, I like the visual side of Angel's story. I like the fact that he's not talking to anybody. Yeah. And if if he had been totally silent, it would have underscored how alone he is now. Yes. And like at at the very end, after Wesley comes down and tells him that could be when he talks out loud right that could be the moment he doesn't have to be silent the whole thing that's the first time he speaks in the episode because i like that line i do too let them fight the good fight someone has to fight the war right but then great right after that he closes his eyes and you can see he's he's hurt and bothered by what wesley says you can tell he's torn and that he feels Mm -hmm. bad but then he just closes his eyes and he goes into the zone and he throws that knife and bam it hits dead center 
Yeah. And you can also see his tattoo through the back of his tank. <laughs> Just saying. Which, of course, is always a thirsty moment, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So speaking of the voiceover, let's move in to stake this because I got to stake that voiceover. The voiceover is terrible. What is this nonsense? I'm ready. I've got the moves. Now I need to know what theirs are. And then it's like, I'm not ready. And then I'm ready. And then I'm not ready. (laughs) And so he goes back and forth. and And I'm like, what the hell? Like, just show us. We see what he's doing. We see that he's prepping. We see that he is practicing on that, you know, horde of vampires that come into the um, yeah. talking about eating fast food people, right? Yeah. So he's he pra- he takes all of them out, and that's a practice run. Fine. Like I got what we were going for, but the drama queen internal voiceover was so bad. It was just I love that he's not talking to anybody through the whole thing. I love that his story is silent. I think that's fantastic, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, I just, and even when he's he's torturing Merle, the yeah. snitch demon, he's not saying anything. He's just dunking his head in the water until Merle comes up with what he wants. But I don't know, like all of it is just, it would have been so much more powerful if we hadn't had the voiceover. And then he's doing all of this stuff and we see him, you know, practicing and exercising and all of this stuff until he finally meets up with Drew and Darla, yeah. you know, and then sets them on fire, which is saying a lot without yeah. saying anything at all. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't say a word to them either. Mm-hmm. Plus we have angel smoking when Angelus is normally the one who smokes right. and that whole mm-hmm. blurred line. And you've got, yeah. you know, Drew and Darla, you know, is that angel? Is that Angelus? You know, He's gone. He's completely gone. Who was that? Like, all of that mm-hmm. stuff was so great. But Angel dunking Merle in the water over and over again, I was like, no. Just no. Yeah. Torturing an informant. Like, that's not okay. Right. But, I mean, like, the way that Merle gets treated is is pretty bad. We're going to see that in this in the next episode. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it's out of... The, Merle is just a snitch. He's right. just harmless. He's not doing anything to anybody, you know, but Angel is is torturing him. I yeah. mean, torturing him. And that's, I understand we want to show Angel's darkness. And it's one thing to have him shut off from his friends mm-hmm. because that way he can indulge his darkness. And the darkness geared toward monsters who had just finished eating fast food workers which is not good right right um and then and then at wolferman heart but merle appears to be just kind of a guy on the who has knowledge that nobody takes seriously that's how he knows everything because nobody worries about him you know and why angel has to torture him i don't understand that yeah i didn't i just was not okay with that i wanted to stake angel doing that i did not like it yeah that wasn't that wasn't really good so for me, I think after the Angel Drama Queen VO, which I didn't particularly care for, um, I didn't like a lot of what we gave Cordelia in this episode. Yeah. One of the things she says, one thing about Angel, at least he's consistent. It's always some little blonde driving him right over the edge. And Ugh. I'm like, all right, because anytime a man misbehaves, it's a woman's fault. Yeah, that was, I, I get so sick of it. that Like, I sort of roll my eyes and don't even take notes. Mm-hmm. But it, it like, how, really? Like, really? Yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. enough it's ridiculous yeah. it's yeah. not you know the blonde is not driving him he is driving himself because he's obsessed like the verb right. placement in that sentence pisses me off yeah well i mean this is the thing this is the language that we use around men mm-hmm. right is that if they're doing something bad it's because of a woman yeah you know it's a woman's fault or whatever and i really really don't care for that plus there is a particular word that is in cordy's vocabulary which she says frequently and has said again in this episode i'm not going to repeat the word i don't like it yeah (laughs) every time she uses it it makes me really uncomfortable so i just would really like it if we could please stop having cordy use that word it's not funny it's not appropriate so yep whatever i'm with you on that yeah no absolutely all right so that moves us into research mode on redefinition what you got okay so why did darla and drew let lila live like, mm-hmm. I understand why they spared Lindsay. That makes total sense to me. But why Lila? You know, yeah. because even Lindsay is asking, he says to the paramedic, like, there has to be a reason why I'm the only one left. Mm-hmm. And not only did they let Lila live, they didn't bite her at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Like Lindsay had taken some punches. You can see he's got a bruise on his face. He's I mean, got she's got her arm in a sling, but I think mm-hmm. maybe that was just from like having other people land on top of her. A land on her. Right? I don't know. And they're also, they're both unconscious. So did Drew and Darla knock them out? Yeah. You know, or like or beat them up. And yeah, some, I mean, they, they roughed them up, obviously, but they didn't kill but them. But they didn't kill them. So yeah why did they let lila live i think at some point they say if one of you gets killed then the other one you know will be able to to help us out or whatever because if they let only one live and wolfram and hart decided i don't know yeah. i it, honestly it, the only reason is because stephanie romanov is amazing and Lila's incredible and we're not done with her yet but okay. those are narrative reasons those that are story world reasons. <laughs> yes so. one of <laughs> anna on uh, discord taught me and she said she didn't invent this, but I really love the phrase, uh, the idea of plot armor. Right. So <laughs> Lila was protected by plot armor because we We're still need her to live. Sure. <laughs> so I kind of like that idea Absolutely. a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. But my yeah. other research question ties into one of yours. So when mm-hmm. we see Angel, you know, practicing hunting in the sewer, why did he throw his sword down and leave it? Yeah, I don't know. And the sword is covered in blood, which was my question. Yeah. Because it's a vampire. When you decapitate a vampire, they dust. They don't bleed. Right. So it was covered in blood for like a visual, you know, spectacle yeah. of it. But, you know. Yeah. So I was wondering about that, too. But I'm like. You could just drop swords just all over the place. I guess he's got so many sword behind? Like, like you're yeah. that guy in Minecraft and your bag falls and right. you just leave the sword <laughs> right. on your the ground? Bag. Like, <laughs> your <laughs> bag of holding is overloaded right. you have to get rid of something. <laughs> Yeah, so like I didn't, yeah, I didn't know about that. But I was really curious about the title of this episode. Yeah, so we leave with this idea that Angel is no longer Angel, but he's also not Angelus, and is is that what redefinition means? Yeah. So he's, I guess, is he redefining himself or other people redefining him? I couldn't see a strong connection between the episode and the title. Well, I think. I think that there's redefinition happening. I think that part of that is, yeah, Angel is not Angel, but he's not Angelus. So what is he? And the whole point of definition is you're defining your terms. (laughs) But there is a lack of definition for what exactly Angel is. Lila and Lindsay are defined by their new roles. They are co-vice presidents of special projects. So, I mean, there's that. Um, And I think, you know, Wesley, Cordy, and Gunn are defining themselves. They are starting their new agency and leaving Angel behind. So there's that, you know? Yeah. And then Drew and Darla are redefined as the new troublemakers in town. I guess they're defining themselves. I in guess. That way. I think it's. But yeah, it's those flimsy. are like, those are all yeah. new roles, right? Like, right. if you had called Less this than, like promotion. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right, exactly. That would Rather make, than redefinition. Yeah, but redefinition yeah. has, it has like a, a deep layered meaning to it. And mm-hmm. I didn't, yeah. other than the not angel, but also not angelus. That was the only mm-hmm. part of that that I really saw. Yeah. But even that's lacking definition. Exactly. It's, it's just a question. It's saying what he's not, right. but not what he is. And definition is all about what is it. Yes. I need I need Angel to define his terms. Dark or right. not. Like, come on, baby. Define your terms. But also. Dark or not, be precise. Exactly. Right? Like, <laughs> yes, it's important. But Darla and Drusilla being set on fire like that. How long can a vampire survive? Because Angel also didn't check. He didn't watch. He walked Mm -hmm. away. He didn't come back to see if they survived. He didn't, you know, did he know there was that water main right there? We've seen other vampires die from being set on fire a whole lot faster than that. Yeah, like immediately they dust. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you get the sense he wasn't ready to kill Darla. I don't think he was Mm -hmm. trying to kill them. Well, he was ready, then he wasn't ready, then he was ready, then he wasn't ready. So apparently we landed on not ready. Yeah. Because, you know, he so said. he just lit them on fire. Right. He said he could still feel her pain. He still feels yeah. connected to her. Like, he's mm-hmm. obviously not ready to kill her yet. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they survived a long time being lit on fire. Yeah, they did. Almost like humans. Yeah. <laughs> Because obviously their faces are all burnt. Right. So, I mean, the fire touched their skin. It'd be one thing if the fire touched their clothing, but didn't get to their skin yet. But they are, they're burnt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically kind of a, a breaking of the world so that we can have the spectacle in the moment. Yeah. You know, and I mean, overall, is it worth it? Yeah. 
Maybe yeah, a little it was bit. a hell of a spectacle. <laughs> it, was, it was really good. It was really good. It was good. really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, I, like, I always think it's funny, though, because when you've got a vampire who's messing with fire, mm-hmm. like... That's a high risk. Yes, you know? it is high <laughs> like, risk. Yeah, it is. It is very, very high risk. So, well, you and know, I, cause, I did yeah. like the bookend. So at the beginning, mm-hmm. we see him burning the image of Darla. And right. then at the end, mm-hmm. we see him actually burning Darla. Burning but Darla. he's also mm-hmm. really close to the fire in both cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that's, it's feeling a little dangerous to me. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that gives us one to brood on. Redefinition sets the stage for the rest of the season, getting Wesley Gunn and Cordelia to fire Angel as they keep the agency going and putting Lila and Lindsay together as co-VPs of Beelzebub, Inc. Oh, and Drew and Darla get lit on fire. So there's that. That's that's pretty cool. But in the end, while the idea of having, you know, three slash four short stories kind of dancing around each other is an interesting one, overall, it feels like a lot of not much. Just pieces moving around the board, talking to themselves as they do. It's not a great episode, but I guess it's essential. So that's why we deemed it a watcher because so much stuff happens here that, that you know, you kind of need to know because it's setting the stage for what's going to happen in the rest of the season. But it, as an episode of television itself, it has interesting things happening. It has some really great moment to moment work, but overall, not great. Mm-hmm. Not a great episode. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. And speaking of not great episodes, that's going to move <laughs> us into Blood Money. In Blood Money, Wolfram and Hart are throwing a charity ball to help the local teen shelter. And Angel becomes obsessed with their motives, with stealing their money, and with the woman named Anne who runs the shelter. Boone, a demon from Angel's past, shows up and sort of helps double-cross Lindsay and Lila in a plot device that doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense, while Cordy, Wes, and Gunn struggle to fight monsters on their own and keep the agency open without Angel. Blood Money aired on January 23rd, 2001. It was directed by R.D. Price, who also directed I've Got You Under My Skin in season one and written by Sean Ryan and Mare Smith. Ryan will be back to write Belonging, episode 19 of season two. So on our perfect happiness scale, once again, that is zero to six, zero stake this, six lost your soul. Kelly, where does Blood Money land for you? Okay, so I actually gave this a two. I th- okay. thought it was going to be a one, but I liked Blood Money more than I remembered liking it. However, that's a pretty low bar. Yeah, because it's a pretty shitty episode. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I, I gave it a one. Oh. I hate this episode. This is a terrible episode of television. Angel's going through all this nonsense to embarrass Lindsay and Lila, and it's all really dumb, and it doesn't mean anything in the bigger battle against Wolfram and Hart. Not to mention the fact that Drew and Darla... Where are they? Shouldn't we be thinking about them? They're kind of a thing. But anyway, yeah. it gets a one only because of Lindsay and Lila, who I love <laughs> together, and Julia Lee playing Anne because it was fun to see her character land in a settled place after all of the identity shifting she did over the run between Buffy and, and where she ends up here. Because Julia Lee, as you guys may remember, was in Lie to Me. She played Chanterelle, who didn't realize she was named after a mushroom, and also had a new identity in the Buffy episode in season three of Buffy and the season opener where she played Lily, mm-hmm. uh, the homeless teen, and then took over Buffy's identity. Buffy was living as Anne as a waitress in Los Angeles, and she took over Buffy's identity and now has moved into this space where she seems to really have gotten some stability. So it's really interesting seeing the the character arc for this one character with three identities across three episodes. But that is really the only reason why I yeah. <laughs> and and maybe I went with the two because I really did like seeing what Anne was doing with her life yeah. after Buffy. Mm-hmm. And also we didn't get any Kate. So no, oh, well, right. well no I was Kate like, definitely- I was wondering, okay, Darla, Drusilla, like mm-hmm. burn unit, fire department, yeah. what's going on? What's going on? How, where do where do vampires go for medical attention? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I was very tickled not to have Kate and I really liked Anne. So that's why I gave us some extra points. Yes. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. All right. So our moments of perfect happiness. Let's start with Anne, since that's one of the only things we actually like. Yeah, Anne (laughs) might be my only Mm -hmm. moment of perfect happiness in this. Yeah. She's a badass. She is. And I love her dedication. Um, And Mm -hmm. Angel's like, aren't you scared of me? And she's like, 
no. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. tells him, you know, vampires, demons, even lawyers don't impress me. Right. And and I really like how she has a purpose. She has a mission. She sticks to it. And I was really, really angry with Angel for making her path more dark and twisty than it needed to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I liked Anne. I liked seeing her. I liked Julia Lee a lot. Mm-hmm. I liked her performance. And I liked how focused she was. Like Angel's trying to tell her how, you know, they're, they're going to give you $2 million and that you're going to get maybe 5% of that. She's like, that's $100,000. Right. Which is not nothing like everything matters like I don't care you know mm-hmm. so I really liked how focused she was I liked I, I, I liked everything about her I thought she was really great you know yeah. so I really enjoyed seeing uh, Julia Lee in the role and of course the the identity arc that she goes through with these three identities it was nice to see her landed in a solid place mm-hmm. you know and pulling herself into a place where she's she's doing so much better and has purpose yeah. you know and that's one of the things I like too is that one of the things about Angel that we that we really enjoy is his sense of his own purpose which of course now is lost right right you know he's he's lost the forest for the trees he's so focused on Wolferman Hart and then on on Darla that he's lost his sense of purpose and so here we have Anne who has such incredible clarity with her sense of purpose that it sort of puts Angel into a stark relief which I like yeah me too so I thought that was really good mm-hmm. so the only thing I had for Lila and Lindsay is one of your quotes so oh, yeah. Why, yeah. When Lindsay says, I like it. I like it. I'm going to tell you why. Because of the finding you part. <laughs> That's right. all I got. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I really liked Lila and Lindsay. Um, I like, I like this moment where uh, Lindsay says, relax, he doesn't kill humans, at least not with his own hands. And Lila says, he's not playing by the old rules anymore. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Which is really kind of fun. I like, I, you know, Lin- Lila being freaked out all the time is is not something i particularly like but he was in her car <laughs> she's so wigged out by that whole thing it's like me after seeing a spider like, <laughs> you know you just get in that space right and then i think my favorite part though was when lila says what if he actually kills angel and then he says boo-hoo let me wipe away my tears with my plastic hand <laughs> <laughs> yeah which I think is really great. I did like how they kind of interacted with Boone. So they don't know. Yeah. And, and I kept going back and forth. Like there were things about Boone I really, really liked. Yeah. There, yes. There was something compelling about him. And yeah. he had good humor. And I like that he was he was more concerned about honor than money. You know, Lindsay's trying to hire him and Boone is insulted. <laughs> and he's like, I'm yeah. not here for the money, you know, and then he ends, ends up stealing the money, which I just thought was exactly. hilarious. Well, because he's just playing a role anyway. The angel set him up to play. Right. But yeah, yeah. But, but some of that is in my stake this because it just didn't make any freaking sense. But the only other thing that I would say maybe gave me some delight was the whoever picked the soundtrack at the ball because the Dixie Chicks were playing and that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That was that's yeah. about it. <laughs> I liked Gunna Wesley playing Risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did the the irony shift there. I guess is more of it where we've got these close ups and they're like, you know, or can you? Are you brave? Or whatever bullshit they're saying, and then they're throwing the dice, and it was kind of cute. Yeah, them playing Risk, I thought was adorable, and I loved Gun. He said, three fifths of the world covered in water, the rest covered in me. Who's your ruler, baby? <laughs> and, I love it. <laughs> and I like how Gunn calls Wes English. Like, yeah. I think that's a really cute nickname. Yeah, it's very sweet. I love the friendship between Gunn and Wesley. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they really are. They work so well together and they're very different, but they respect each other um, and they have complementary skill sets, which I think is really nice. Yeah. I love the fact that Gunn's a warrior, but he's also really smart. Mm-hmm. So we're not playing him stupid. Yeah. You know, yep. which is one of the things like we have everybody gets stupid at one point or another for the for the purpose of a joke. Right. You know, right. but we're doing a lot less of that. And we're letting people not just be the one thing like Cordy isn't just, you know, the person who does the money or whatever. Like she's also smart she has the visions and she's empathetically connected to everything and Wesley is a little bit goofy and he's like you know a researcher but he can also fight Mm -hmm. you know and Gunn is our fighter but he's also really smart and he figures stuff out so I like that we're allowing them all to have these expanded roles some of which overlap with each other a little bit and they have this like really nice trifecta of mutual respect that I love and I like that Wesley is really still focused on you know doing the job like when they're getting ready to fight a demon, you know, Gunn says, I wish Angel was here. And Wesley kind of raises his voice and says, well, he's not. 
Yeah, you know, but we are, mm-hmm. and we're going to do this job. And I and I did like that dynamic. Yeah, I like it too. Um, and uh, as you see, the like fighting over what to name the agency ended up in the stake. This, but I did like the one part where Cordy was defending her business cards, and she's like, "That's an angel," and Wesley says, "The universal symbol of the one thing we don't have." Yeah. <laughs> was very very cute but that moves us into the stake this the all the stuff that we didn't like which is a somewhat longer list in this episode so you want to get us started with angel yes so merle is now angel's bitch you know and angel just storms in and says demon layer no invitation necessary and angel's being Mm -hmm. a bully down to making fun of merle's furniture yeah like he's just completely running all over this guy and he's I, I just don't like it. I don't like Angel in bully right. mode. And and Angel is usually so anti-bully that yeah. seeing him no, in that, it's, it's it pisses me off. Is. Yeah. I can see him being taciturn. Yeah. I can see him being, like, not overly, you know, effusive and, hey, Merle, how you doing? Like, I can see him walking in and being like, what's the thing? And Merle being like, well, you know, you might say hello. You might ask me how I am. And Angel being like, what information do you have? Like, having no time for niceties. Right. I can see. Being like a, an actual aggressive jerk to Merle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's not forget, beyond being a jerk to Merle in this episode, last episode, he was torturing, like outright torturing right. this guy for information. Yeah. And so that just and I and I get that we're in that, you know, zone between Angel and Angelus and darkness and all of that. But the torture and psychopathic bully is very clearly in the angelus box (laughs) yeah and i don't like it here and i did not like angel killing boone like i know that they're you know boone just has to know who's better but i kept thinking about you know the episode of firefly when mal has to sword fight Mm -hmm. and like he doesn't you know there's a duel yeah like he has to learn and he, he beats the guy and he's like I'm going to let you live because I'm a good man. But then he stabs him anyway. And he's like, I guess I'm all right. But he doesn't. Okay. But he doesn't kill him. Right. You know, and like, yes, I exactly. was really And that bothered. guy deserved it. Yeah. And Boone mm-hmm. seems to be a pretty nice guy. I mean, he's, you know, he does what he does or whatever. But he helped and he brought the money back and he laid two million yeah. on the line to find out who was better. And maybe he would have killed Angel if he had the opportunity. But there was just something about Angel killing him that really really bothered me and then you know bringing the blood-soaked money to Anne and just setting her up for some of that darkness that she doesn't need I didn't yeah. like but but the line angel crossed for me yes. that this is mm-hmm. absolutely not okay was not just waiting in the back of Lila's car because that was fine like he's trying to mm-hmm. scare her whatever yeah. although I'm calling serious questions about Wolfram and Hart's parking lot security because come on well, all of their security. Yeah, right. <laughs> Apparently, it has the it has the like the equivalent of plot armor. Yeah, like the the opposite of plot exactly. armor. Exactly, <laughs> it's just gonna it, plot defects. It's just, right? it, you can just come in. Really, it's fine. Just mm-hmm. come in. Right. But he's you know he's in like dark, scary mode. But yeah. but then there is there is this sort of sexual energy under that threat when mm-hmm. he kind of touches her and he says, "Oh no, the begging that comes later." And I'm like, implied sexual violence from Angel crosses a line. Yeah, no, it really does. Because Angel, like, and I guess, like, I can see he may have been, like, you know, he may have been meaning it as begging for your life. But the delivery of the line has that menace under it. And when a man says something like that to a woman because of all of this history of sexual violence, it is implied. Yeah. In the line. And, like, I get that Angel's dark. Like, I'm okay with Angel being dark. I like Angel being dark. Bring it on. It's awesome, you know. But there are certain things, the bullying of Merle, Mm -hmm. you know, the torturing of Merle, this kind of implied sexual violence, you know, there are certain things that just are not... I don't think are on his radar. Like he doesn't have. First of all, I don't think it's part of his makeup anyway. It might be part of Angelus's. Oh, makeup, it's, it's definitely part of, part of Angelus's, and and, right. and that's why it bothers me so much because this. But is, it's not Angel. This is something yeah. Angel would have awareness of. Well, this is something Angel just wouldn't care about. Right. He just doesn't care about that stuff. He's not interested in that. He wants to take them down. It's not like I don't know. It's just it's it's that particular brand of menace right right 
is not part of what Angel's doing right now. He wants to take them down. He wants to destroy them. He's totally focused on that. He's not going to be polite. He's not going to be worried about anybody's feelings. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like there's there's something about it that feels out of line with the particular brand of darkness, like lighting Drew and Darla on fire. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Taking action that is menacing. Yes, absolutely. But bullying people, making threats like that, yeah. that doesn't feel like Angel. exactly. And, and even the way he was with Anne, because he was kind of lecturing her like taking this blood money would not be OK with you. Like, I don't care about this anymore, but you still yeah. do. Almost mm-hmm. like he was protecting her when that whole time he was actually using her to set yeah. her up as a pawn. And then in the end, yeah. he brings her the very blood money that he had been pretending to protect her against that whole pretending time. That he cared about that. Right. Like pretending, like shaming her exactly. and judging her. Right. And then pretending that he cared about it and then bringing it to her anyway. Right. And, and that was just... Yeah. It, it was and it's not even that I'm saying, oh, that's too dark or that's too cruel. It's just it's out of line with what we know of Angel. Well, and it's just stupid. I mean, the whole thing is stupid. Giving Cordy's clothes to the shelter. Oh, yeah, that was. Those are Cordy's clothes. I had a note. I said, Cordy is going to be so pissed. <laughs> like, right. That was not and OK. He's like, you know, a friend left them at my place and she's not going to be back for a while. Well, fine. She's not going to be back for a while. Drop them in the mail. You know where she lives. Mm-hmm. Those are her clothes. Like giving away her clothes is just a shitty thing to do. And the thing is, it's just like he's acting like he's mad at them. And there's no reason. The only reason he separated from them is because they were preventing him from going down a dark path and he wanted to go down a dark path. Right. You know, like there's no reason to be like bitchy about it, you yeah. know? So all of that is just, it's, it's, you know, it's not even that like it's out of character. It's just like, it's not, it's not the kind of darkness that is, is really what we're doing with Angel at this point or what we seem to be doing with Angel at this point. This episode is just off kilter yes it's off track yes and so like all of this stuff isn't you know isn't what i'm interested in seeing in angel's darkness yep exactly so i found all of that i absolutely agree with you on all of those points and then he's stalking this woman Mm -hmm. you know and like using her as part of his you know plan it's just it's so terrible i just i really really don't care for it so as far as like cordy gunn and wesley go there isn't much you know, we have the irony vision, yeah. right, coming back. We'll catch you when you fall. And then Cordy falls to the floor and they don't notice. Like, right. I'm, I'm tired of the irony visions. I hope that we can get rid of those. You know, and Wesley and Gunn, we have them on the tail of this random demon. The stories are not connected to the bigger story. We're just treading water with these guys in the background, right? They're fighting over what to name the agency. We've got Cordy's weird thing i've got a gun and my name is gun and she's doing the dance yeah like that's weird none of this has any story relevance at all we're just kind of like in in an episode which is irrelevant and stupid and out of character we have these guys in the background of that episode just being irrelevant like you know we get that you're you know you're continuing the agency cordy has a vision you're going to do those things. That's great. But nothing is happening on that side of the story. There's nothing that's going on with them aside from that they're, you know, saving saving people and, and doing whatever the stuff is that they need to do, which we would presume. Yeah. Did you get the sense that maybe they just like had extra fire on set? Like maybe it was left over from redefinition? I guess. Because I guess. now we have Gunn and Wesley like fighting a dragon. Like, was that a dragon? Yeah. yeah. It, but I did get a kick out of Gunn saying that dragon should not be enrolling in the school for girls. Like that was kind right. of, cute. but I'm like, so we just have this extra fire. Yeah. So now we're deciding that those two with no protective gear whatsoever yeah. are just going to go face a fire dragon. Like I, it's, it's just, just spectacle it, and joke. Yeah. That's just all it yeah. is. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of annoying. I didn't particularly care for that. Although we do finally have Cordy's hair. Down to a place where she doesn't have so much of it. Yeah. They gave her so much. I mean, I my neck hurt just looking at mm-hmm. her. They gave her so much hair. So finally, they've got her hair down to a place. They've been slowly whittling it down every <laughs> week. And finally, we got it to a place where it's reasonable. And we've got our new Cordy hair. So that was, you know, that was okay. Yeah. I did not. Uh, you liked Boone. And I'm glad you liked Boone. I did not like Boone. Yeah. I, there's things about Boone that I like. 
I think that we could have had yeah, maybe some fun out of with context him. as yeah. a narrative thing. Yeah. yeah. But in this, the whole thing made no sense. Like, I'm going to obsessively stalk a woman and possibly ruin her life and maybe shut down the shelter. And I'm going to go through yeah. all this hell. I'm going to do and all this all stuff kids. to play mm-hmm. a video of Cordelia and Wesley being. Yeah, to play it's a, a prank. prank. Like, what it's the a hell? Prank. It's not even doing anything to them. He didn't even actually get a recording of anything. Like, it's ridiculous. It's a prank. It is so it's stupid. It's Ashton Kutcher. But, yeah. I, so I took that to Discord, right, to our brilliant yes. patrons, mm-hmm. because I was like, y'all, help me with this. I just don't mm-hmm. understand. And they very intelligently pointed out, Angel stole two and a half million dollars from Wolf and yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. it was about getting the money away from them. And then I was like, right. okay, well, then okay. But no, Boone. But, Boone stole that Yeah, money. but he worked. I mean, that's why Angel brought him in, right? Was like, right. in order to steal the money. So I, I yeah, guess, I, guess I, mean, I mean, but it didn't. So he hurt them in that way. Yeah, but, but, I, but it's all really stupid. Yeah, and it just, the whole thing was just dumb. Right. I did get a couple Wolfram and Hart jokes that I like, though. Okay. So when Boone and poor Merle, like Boone goes and yeah. crushes his hand and like, you know, attacking yeah. him too. But Boone asks, what's a Wolfram and Hart? And Merle <laughs> says, a law firm, technically more like evil incorporated. <laughs> I thought right. that was really funny. <laughs> and then the, the super creepy lawyer at the ball telling Anne, I like to think of my job as underlining the heart. And Wolfram and Hart. And Wolfram and Hart. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> if I worked there, bitches, that would be on my office door. Oh Except it would be like a human heart and I would have like a dagger a through it heart. and it would be awesome. Right? <laughs> if you're going to be evil, go all the way. Right? Yeah. I figured Nathan Reed is supposed to be terrible. So yeah. that's OK. That was... You know, um, but Boone, the thing that I didn't like about Boone is that, you know, he comes in. I mean, he's got this like sense of honor and everything and whatever. But, you know, we bring him in. He's this weird demon. He's got this death wish with Angel. You know, and I mean, the thing is, like, Angel killing him, I didn't mind because his whole thing was like, I need to know. I need to know who would win, Mm -hmm. you know, and Angel winning and getting the best of him and letting Boone live, I think, is something that Boone would not allow. Like, Boone would Harry carry himself in that circumstance because of his sense of honor. Like, this is about the death. I mean, it's it's all of it dumb. So I guess that's it. it I don't like Death Wish as a I don't like it in characters and I don't like it in story. So that yeah, that no, part it's, just it's bothers completely me. Dumb. Yeah, I didn't it's like it. It's completely dumb. Yeah. So Boone, like, I just the whole element of Boone, I didn't particularly care for. He goes in, he plays Lila and Lindsay. We've got this whole thing. You know, it's just it's really dumb. I also did not particularly care for the inside baseball of we've got these actors who are working at the, um, you know, at the charity mm-hmm. ball, and they're just commenting on everything with all of these. You know, the journalist says this thing with making your character gay is that about ratings? Because I don't get it. Which is what everybody was saying to Alison Hannigan because over on Buffy during this time she was the character of Willow was was gay and realizing she was in love with Tara so obviously they got a lot of those questions so they put that in there there's the actors making comments about the stunts Mm -hmm. you know um, and then the I'm not buying the makeup thing you know all of it was just basically making fun like whenever Hollywood looks at itself I always find it really annoying really inside baseball like I get it you're making jokes at the expense of the Hollywood culture maybe don't be part of the Hollywood culture if you really hate it that much (laughs) maybe change the Hollywood culture if you can but like it's just one of those things it's it's like when writers write about writers writing like I I just I hate that Mm -hmm. it's like nobody cares nobody cares about your inside baseball just tell the story you know then we have this huge explanation at the end why we can't kill Angel Angel has a part to play and we don't know which side he's going to be on. And we want him on our side. You know, all of this. Kind of, but Or you could kill him and make sure that he's not on the good side. Right. Like, who's going to, like, if you take him off of, like, it's it's a really dumb thing. But again, it's it, I, I love this idea now, the plot armor. So thank you for whoever, <laughs> uh, whoever added that to our, our glossary of terms. Right. But yeah, the whole thing is just dumb and i basically want to stake the whole episode and there's something intriguing about the idea of angel being more valuable if he's dark when it comes to the apocalypse than if he's absent you know fighting for good but Uh the way that they presented it 
I, I was with Lindsay. Like, okay, yeah. that's not a good enough reason. I, I'm, I've had enough. I'm taking him out. Like, <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's not a good enough reason because if he's so powerful that he's going to push your side over the edge, then the lack of him, like, here's the thing. If you kill him, you know he won't be playing for good. Right. If you let him live, you're rolling that dice. Yeah. You know? So if he happens to be on your side, you'll be more powerful. But if he's not on the side of good, then you don't need to be that powerful. Like, if you take him out, you know how it's... This is the thing. Like, an antagonist, a villain, controls the outcome. You know? And they're not controlling it. Yeah, I'm really starting to question Wolfram and Hart's risk analysis strategy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I I don't think it works the way they think it works. Like, it's just... (laughs) No, and I mean, I like that they have to keep him alive. Yeah. I like that, but I mean, I would have liked a better explanation than that. I mean, the only thing is that maybe you could headcanon it, that that's not the real explanation. It's just the one that they're willing to give Lila and Lindsay. Like, you know, it would have been better if Reed had said, none of your damn business. I'm telling you, he stays alive. That's it. Like, the explanation was so stupid. Or if he had just been like, take it up with the senior partners. If you've got the balls, yeah. like, right, you know, exactly. like that would have worked. You want to know the answer to a question? <laughs> You'll get it when you've earned right. it, you know, and just focus on how stupid they're. But they wanted to have an explanation because all the, you know, I'm sure viewers were saying, why do they need Angel alive? Well, like, go ahead and let it, you know, right. let it run. But, you know, like, I hate the moment where, you know, he gives the money to Anne. Yeah. And then Anne looks at him and says, it'll wash. Mm-hmm. Like, and we see her like, Anne's going dark, you know. <laughs> Yep. Like if she had said literally anything else, if she had said, you know, because she said before she didn't care, right? like she didn't care about it, you know, and if she's like, this is how many beds, this is how many meals, exactly. this is, you know, something like that. If she said, these are meals, mm-hmm. you know, that I can feed these kids. So yeah, I'll find, I'll find a way to hide it. Like I'll find a way to launder it or whatever. Right. And then like also that, like the metaphorical idea of laundering money next to the literal idea of you have to wash it because it's bloody. Mm-hmm. Like, oh God, it is so stupid. Yeah. And I hate <laughs> all of it so <laughs> research mode okay so <laughs> what do you have i actually had mode? no real questions but mm. i have a pro tip for wolfram and hart okay mm-hmm. wolfram and hart stop hiring assassins to try to kill angel this <laughs> does not go well for you don't do it anymore learn a lesson learn a, learn lesson. a thing did we yes, learn nothing exactly. from the tea Stop doing this nonsense. And also, Lindsay McDonald, for crying out loud, do not bring a demon battle to a teen shelter. A group of teenagers is basically like a demon battle, except there's more (laughs) laundry and more pizza. And you don't need to bring them to Anne to tear her place apart. That's all I got. (laughs) Yeah. All right. You got something for us to brood on? Blood Money shows Angel's growing obsession with Lindsay and Lila, introduces Anne, who we'll see again, and sort of, kind of, maybe answers the question of why Wolfram and Hart wants to keep Angel alive, but that's about it. Yeah, not enough to make it No. (laughs) (laughs) Not near enough. All right, Kelly, what you got for Still Thirsty? So... I wasn't crazy about the voiceover, but the montage of Angel working out with the pull-ups and the punching bag and the white shirt Mm -hmm. and those shoulders and the tattoo and the sword practice, the man looks very thirsty. Yes. Yeah. No, he does. So, so Lindsay's almost kissed with Darla. Lindsay's almost kissed with Lila. None of that made you thirsty. Oh, yeah. I would add, if I added all to other things, Lindsay almost kissing oh, okay. anyone so one, is going to be on there. I was week. trying. Not a I was trying to contain <laughs> the thirsty. That would go in there. I was going to say, Lindsay's almost kissed with Lila. I was like, oh, that's Yeah. Nice. Or, or <laughs> you know, reaching down to take off the wire. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. But also, Gun is very pretty. Oh, guns! We got some very pretty gun, yeah. In this, so I'm just saying. But Angel in that mode just sort of kind of takes the it wins. Yes, (laughs) that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Wins thirsty Thunderdome. Okay. (laughs) So, what's your favorite part? Oh my God, Lorne singing Lady Marmalade. Oh my God, (laughs) perfect happiness. That was so fantastic. It is. Really he was great. so incredible. I, it has nothing to do with either story. I don't care. That was my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, well, nothing to do with either story in this particular instance. Probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you? What was your favorite part? 
Uh, boo-hoo, let me wipe away my tears with my plastic hand. I love that. I love Lindsay. Lindsay. I just love Lindsay. I think he's fantastic. So it was, there, there was some fun. Mm-hmm. It was mostly terrible, but there was some fun stuff. <laughs> To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag #StillDead. For more in-depth discussion, visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum, and join in the fun. Or you can support Chipperish Media for a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat and Discord, where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons who, lest we forget, ate the majority of our contracts department. Visit Patreon.com/Chipperish to find out more. You can also show your support for Still Dead by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five soul review or telling people about us on your favorite underworld social media of choice. But to say thanks to our rogue demon hunters who take the time to write reviews for us, we turn to the Prophecy Scrolls. Kelly is writing these in reverse chronological order, so post yours and you will hear your prophecy soon. Kelly, what do we got for this week? For Where the Cheese... You shall be invited to a money laundering charity ball to raise funds for the vampire burn division of the LA Fire Department. Cash shall be washed at the door. Your mission is to find and reclaim Cordelia's clothes. Should you succeed, (laughs) drinks are on Lorne. Should you fail, you will be named interim co-vice president of special (laughs) projects at Wolfram and Hart, charged with redesigning the vampire detection system so it actually, you know, works. But don't despair. Your operating budget includes funds to hire the fictional characters of your choice to aid you in this task. Oh, my God. I'm going to go write us a review so I can get one of these. That is adorable. <laughs> you are so good at this. They're fun. <laughs> I love and it. thank you to everybody writing the reviews. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. We're off next week for Chipper Staff Development, but we will be back next time with Season 2, Episodes 13 and 14. Happy Anniversary and The Thin Deadline, both of which are skippers. Until then, for God's sake, can't a woman wreak a little havoc without a man being involved?